The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father, You have but one Father, the Christ. You have but one Father in heaven. Do not be called Master. You have but one Master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. So this morning I came out to help at the 6 a.m. Mass, and uh, there seemed to be a bigger crowd than normal. Today there seems to be a little bit bigger crowd than normal here at 7.30. Last night I had the five, there was nobody there. And everybody kind of knows why. It's a football Saturday yesterday, and so the game was at 2.30, therefore there's nobody in confession, nobody at mass. It's the unshakable devotion of the Husker fan. And I say that really out of a place of admiration. I'm still in my own Husker conversion process. I think I've lived here since 99, and I still am not a true fan. I could fake my way through it and look like a fan. Once in a while I go, somebody invites me to a game or something, and I find anything red I can find. And put it on and go down there and cheer and things like that, but I really don't care that much. But the devoted Husker fan, they spend lots of time getting ready for the game even, right? Like they are reading the articles in the paper every day and following the team and they know where every like third string linebacker went to high school. Even in this season where they're not doing very well, they're still there every week watching, rooting them on. So 
was thinking this morning, like, what if we had the faith of a Husker fan? We could move mountains. No, we could move mountains. And I was also reflecting on how if I was a Husker fan, I'd really be like a Pharisee Husker fan who's just worried about the externals but not really interiorly converted. You know, that's what our Lord is getting at in the gospel reading today when he talks to the crowds is he says that, you know, listen to everything the Pharisees say and do whatever they tell you but don't follow their example because their hearts aren't converted. Because their hearts aren't converted, the Pharisees simply follow the external obligations of the law so that they look like they're devoted people. They widen their phylacteries, which is like this box that they would put on their head when they pray, and inside there's a scroll that said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. They lengthen their tassels, which were a sign of who they were in their office, so that everybody would know exactly who they were. They loved to be called rabbi, and probably would pull you aside on the street if you did not call them rabbi, and make sure that you knew that they were a rabbi. Taking their seats of honor. They really do what they do because it elevates their status within society. But their hearts aren't converted. And our Lord has called us to have converted hearts. Converted hearts that would change the way we live. Converted hearts that would guide all of our actions so that there would be no doubt in anybody's mind who we are because of the way we live our lives. That's what our Lord has called us to do. And the other thing he criticizes the Pharisees for is that they tie up these burdens for people but they don't lift a finger to move them. The Pharisees would tell everybody, this is what you have to do, but they wouldn't actually help them to do it. They wouldn't actually help them to do it. And we have to all ask ourselves, like, where do we fall? Are we like a Pharisee in some ways? Or are our hearts converted? When you have that family member who's away from the church, do you call them up and tell them, like, you need to be going to Mass every Sunday, and if you're not going to Mass every Sunday, then you're in mortal sin? And they're home because they have a bunch of kids and they're really noisy at mass and they have a hard time getting up in the morning. Do we simply call them and scold them for not practicing the faith? Or do we say, I'll come over and watch your kids for you so that you can go to mass? 
Or do we say, why don't you come with us and I'll help you to manage your children when you get there? Do we move a finger to lift the burden? Or do we just point out, you know, this is all the things that these people are doing wrong? When we look at our society and we talk about how sinful our society is and all those bad people, what are we doing to try to bring them to our Lord? One of the most profound people in my life was my youth minister when I was in high school. And he is among the many people that at a certain point in my life, at a certain place, at a certain time, our Lord sent him to me in order to reveal to me who I was. In order to call me to deeper relationship with him. And I met this youth minister at the parish bazaar. I was working the children's games booth and he started talking to me and he invited me to the youth group. And, uh, and of course, I had my excuses, you know, well, I don't have a car, I can't drive yet, and, you know, my parents are really busy, and so they can't get me there, and, and he just said to me, where do you live? Uh, I live in this other town, it's like a half hour away, and he said, well, I'll come pick you up, and every week he would drive 15 minutes out of the way, pick me up, drive me to youth group, after youth group, he'd drop me off at home, and then he'd go back home. And so he sacrificed an extra hour every week to make sure that I could go to the youth group. And it was in that youth group that I started to hear our Lord calling me to the priesthood in a deeper way. And so he wasn't simply asking me to do something that was really difficult, but he was willing to step into my life and walk with me. And that made all the difference. It made all the difference. It's what our Lord is pointing out about true disciples in contrast to the Pharisees. In this gospel reading, we also have this line where Jesus says, Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Which, of course, our Protestant friends like to point out to us as Catholics and say that we're all, shouldn't be calling priest father because Jesus says not to call them father. And that tradition of calling priest father, it really comes out of a relationship. Because even St. Paul, in, the, in his writings, he refers to the different groups of people that he writes as his children. And when we use the word father, it really should imply a relationship. And one of my brother priests that I admire Probably one of the top priests I admire is Father Brian Kane, who many of you might know. He's from our diocese. 
And in 2003, Father Kane and I were both in Army Chaplain School, and so we were there in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. There were about uh, three Catholic priests and eight seminarians, and then another 150 different evangelical Protestants, a couple of Muslims. And, um, and I remember sitting there in class, and there was a guy in my squad who was like a Southern Baptist or something, and I remember hearing him under his breath say to the person next to him, I'm not calling any of those guys father. But by the end of that summer, everybody called Father Cain, Father Cain, including him. And so what happened, like, they actually were experiencing his fatherhood because Father Cain is really somebody who goes out of his way to take care of other people. And as they experienced him as a father, they started to call him father. And it was nothing that was imposed on them. It just kind of came forth from them naturally. And so even within our own custom, that salutation, Father, has a relational meaning. And in Italy, it's really interesting because diocesan priests are called Don, but religious priests are called Padre or Father. So if I was a diocesan priest in Italy, my name would be Don Sean just doesn't sound good, so I never went by that. But if I was a religious priest, I would be Padre Sean. And I was once talking to my sister's uncle, and uh, he's an Italian guy, and he was talking to me, and he said to me, you know, ever since I was young, I don't like talking to the Don, I only like talking to the Padre. Which was really interesting because that meant that Padre or Father had a relational meaning for him. Don is kind of, it's derived from Dominus or Lord. It also just happens to be what mafia bosses are called. And sometimes the priest who is called that acts like a mafia boss. And so even when we use the word Father, it's rooted in what our Lord is saying when he talks about this need for conversion of our hearts, interior conversion of our hearts. And so in what way is our Lord calling you to deeper conversion? And what's necessary for that conversion? And again, I would go back to the devotion of the Husker fan. How are we looking forward during the week to the Mass that we attend in 
celebrate and offer on Sundays. Are we willing to spend even five or ten minutes a day reading through the Sunday readings so that we're really focused when we get to the liturgy on Sundays? So we know ahead of time the gospel that will be proclaimed. If we're even more devoted, we'll kind of make up our own homily in our head, like this is what I would say about these readings. So then when you hear the priest's homily, you can kind of compare and contrast and look at what you had thought of and listen to what the priest is saying. And it makes the liturgy more exciting that way. Kind of like when you're watching the game and you're like, where did they get this offensive coordinator? So spending five to ten minutes just reading through the Sunday readings. Reflecting on how our Lord has impacted your life. Sharing that with your friends even. Making sure that it's a priority that we allocate that space in our life to encounter Jesus. Because as we come to know our Lord more intimately, We can't help but to have our hearts transformed by him. So that it is our relationship with him that guides everything else that we do in our lives. It's our relationship with him that will move us to help those who have obstacles in their life to hearing the gospel, to be able to hear the gospel more clearly. And in that sense, we won't simply be seeking outward observation of the law or imposing outward observation of the law. But we'll have a great desire to bring that grace and love and mercy that flows from our Lord to the lives of everyone we encounter. When we really fall in love with our Lord and we have that kind of devotion, that unshakable devotion, it's then that our faith can move mountains. It's then that we truly become that light that shines in the darkness. It's then that even in the midst of difficult times or difficult seasons, we never take our eyes off our Lord. We never lose hope. 
It's then that we truly come to know ourselves as beloved sons and daughters of our one Heavenly Father.